0: I may not live to see our glory. I may not live to see our glory. But I will gladly join the fight.
1: But I will gladly join the fight. And when our children tell our story. And when our children tell our story. They'll tell the story of tonight. Let's have another round tonight.
0: Let's have another round tonight let's have another round tonight raise a glass to freedom something they can never take
1: away no matter what they tell you raise a glass to the stories tomorrow there'll be more of these Exploring the story of tonight. Let's raise another glass tonight. Exploring the story of tonight. Raise a glass to stories. Exploring the story of tonight. Raise a glass to stories. Exploring the story of tonight.
0: Welcome to Raise a Glass, the podcast where we talk about the stories and storytellers that shape us. My name is Hunter Danson. And I'm Eric Lintola. And uh, this is, I feel like this is a finale episode, the end of season two. And I think that this is the episode where we will finally name the college that has not yet been named because I don't Don't think it's, (laughs) I don't think we can avoid it at this point. (laughs) Nice. Yes. The man himself on Eric's Mm t-shirt.
1: I thought about bringing my cane. Oh, yes, I have it. Oh, the cane. Yeah. We can discuss this later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have mine in my closet because we're talking about Hamilton. Uh, yeah i i it feels like we've been building up to this episode like our whole podcast
1: mm-hmm. we mentioned I don't know it if anybody else has felt this way but we have Maybe. definitely felt this yeah. way since before we started this podcast yeah uh about a year ago right yeah i guess so. over a year ago now when did we start this our first episode came out on august 31st of last year okay just about a year ago just about a year ago wow hunter we did it one episode probably like every 10 days yeah is this is our 36th episode something like that, 35th
0: something like that that's crazy
1: wow. well let's uh get back to what
0: we do on this podcast which is uh raise a glass um and i've got to know what's what's in your glass eric
1: well, Hunter, half an hour ago when we started this podcast, I had um, <laughs> iced coffee. Um, now there oh. is a melted layer of water on top. So let me just drink that off first, and then I'll tell you about it. Yep, that was pretty, just mel- pretty much just melted ice. So I have brought a Colombian decaf coffee from New City uh, Cafe. I made this yesterday for... Um, an event that I will share about shortly, um, and I have in it an oat milk oat cinnamon bun um, creamer and mm. um, it is in a glass that was given to me just under just under five years ago when I got married uh, and it is a glass with um, that at the time prior to it being the dishwasher a few too many times had a map of Hamilton College. All right. Mm, it's really good. Um, Hunter, what is in your glass? What are you going to be racing tonight? Well,
0: I have a second fiddle double IPA by Fiddlehead Brewing Company. And I'm doing a live pour for that only Eric
1: can see. Is that a real thing? Do people talk about doing a live pour? I have no idea. That sounded legitimate. And I was like, wow, it's a live pour.
0: Probably. We do everything live nowadays. I don't want to even know half the stuff they do on Twitch. I you mm-hmm. underestimated how long this would take. I'm going to have to stop there because it's fizzing up. Here we go. That's just the head of the beer because it fizzed up quite a bit. Here we go. That is a serious pine coney IPA.
1: Ooh, pine coney.
0: Yeah, it's my favorite kind. I don't really go in for the fruities.
1: I like the ones that taste like trees. (laughs) How often do you consume trees? I have to know. I'm sure this is a question our listeners have been wondering about for for a year now. Hmm. What is your tree consumption rate, Hunter?
0: Do IPAs count?
1: (laughs) (laughs) A couple times a week, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> how do you know what a tree tastes like please tell that information to us um i mean if
0: you've ever had a like a classic ipa it smells like it smells like a pine tree like a pine cone it
1: smells like a pine tree
0: and it's... whenever i drink it i feel like i'm drinking a pine tree and yeah. um I grew up near the Adirondacks and did a lot of camping, really loved going outside, so it brings back a lot of those memories. Um I just feel like the taste
1: is in my it's in my bones. Um <laughs> the taste is in my bones. Man, I've missed this. It's been a few weeks since we've done it. But I just <laughs> yeah. it for you. It smells like a pop. Nope. It smells like a pine tree. (laughs) It smells like a pine tree.
0: And it tastes like one, too. We like to be a little indulgent on our finale episodes.
1: I just I realized that I've had all of my instruments behind me this entire podcast, (laughs) and I've never picked them up and played. I'm wondering if it might be cool to have a little bit of live music if it will translate in the podcast. Yeah, I
0: think we'd have to figure out the microphone situation to get it
1: good. But yeah, I mean, I might have a direct in, like probably yeah because i mean if you've got good headphones on you'll be able to hear the bass if you don't you won't hear a lot um yeah at all. oh we could talk afterwards i actually have an idea that might work i'm excited about that <clears throat> well um oh sorry we're not done yet yes no
0: we i have to know um what you are raising your glass or pouring
1: it out for this week well, it's been a little bit since we've met. Um, let me just think about, I don't really have anything that I'm necessarily pouring one out for right now. Um, I'm just reminded, just the specific time and place when we're talking, like there's some terrible fires raging um, across our world, um, both physical fires and fires in the sense of wars and 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 fights and verbal conflicts, um, and so I'm, I kind of was feeling a little bit of the weight, weight of that today. Um, but what I'm excited to raise a glass to is I'm going to raise a glass to my neighborhood. Um, we've got just some rock star neighbors. Um, my wife and I have lived here for just about two years. Um, we live in the city of Rochester, and and we didn't get to know too many of our neighbors in the first year, year and a half we've been here. Um, we got to know our neighbors directly on either side of us, but this spring into summer, we've gotten to meet a lot of neighbors through gardening, um, and uh, we decided we we're going to set up a small like block party. And I've heard a lot of people talk about it, and so we said, "Okay, we've got one date left in the calendar. We're just going to decide." And so we invited neighbors. Uh, we went around door to door with one of our other neighbors knocking on doors and inviting people to a planning session for it um, and sharing kind of the date of the event. And then yesterday, Hunter, there were about 15 people. There were more than 15 people in our front yard, um, not including us, um, gathering around talking about a block party. Most people didn't know more than 50% of the people in the circle. Wow. Uh, And it was really exciting. We got another message today about somebody else that wants to be involved. And so, um i just think there's a lot of opportunities from there um like i said i love my neighbors i love loving my neighborhood um Mm. and and it just feels like a really kind of exciting spot to be in right now awesome yeah hunter how about you what are you raising one and pouring one out for um i am
0: raising a glass to my wonderful wife kim who Is just the smartest person I know. Uh, She has shaped this podcast probably more than most people realize. Just in terms of because she has shaped me so much and my taste for the better. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and also uh, just because she she works so hard, and um, I got COVID, I guess Hmm. two weeks ago and so she had to take care of me and the kids uh and i had to quarantine um thankfully they did not get it somehow i have no idea how i did, i got it it was pretty pretty rough um for the first couple of days for me but but kim really did so much and and she she always she continues to do so much so i'm raising a glass to her mm um and i am pouring one out for the tragedy of the commons uh, or in this case the tragedy of the vermont country store in brattleboro vermont because my wife and i and our our kids were we were traveling back from a vacation in northern vermont and we decided, you know, it's like a four-hour drive with, with two young children. We'll break it up in the middle with like a nice lunch in Vermont, some nice Vermont place. And there's this deli place, Vermont Country Deli slash store. Um, and we pulled in, and it was absolutely swamped with people. All the, Both parking lots were full. They had a market and a deli. Both parking lots were full. I felt like I was in New York City trying to park, and I was in Brattleboro, Vermont.
1: <laughs> have you Have you tried to park in, in New York City?
0: Oh, yes, just recently. We went okay. to Brooklyn and
1: just clarified that that's not just an exaggeration. That's
0: yeah, yeah. So I, I miraculously found a spot. Someone pulled out, and I snagged it. Um, nice. But then we walked into the deli to get a sandwich because they make make really nice deli sandwich, and there was there was a huge line. And my like low estimate was that it would have taken us about 40 minutes to order, to get to the desk, to, to get to the counter, to order a sandwich. So I walked in the store and I said, oh, we're in the bad place <laughs> 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 because I'm not going to wait 40 minutes with two young children to get a sandwich in a crowded mm-hmm. deli. And I'm sure it's a really nice deli. Mm-hmm. The food that people had looked great, but. It was, I was expecting rest and, you know, a mm-hmm. nice break and good food. And we ended up just, you know, eating some snacks. Um,
1: Would you say that at that moment you were in a crowd of thousands? <laughs> uh, Maybe not quite thousands. Do you know that musical?
0: Which one is that? Anastasia. Oh, no. Oh, such a good one. Such a good I one. mean, I've seen it, but. It's not best well
1: enough from it, it. so It's okay. I get it. Okay. You don't like anything I like. It's... That's not true. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about
0: something that we both like.
1: No, we both love this. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, Hunter, I interrupted your pouring one out. Uh, is there more to that story? Not really. No. Great. Um, in that case, let's dive into it. I I honestly am not sure exactly where this episode is going to go, um, because as you've gathered, dear listener, by now, um, Hunter and I um, both went to a college named after the founding father without a father. Who got a lot farther by working a lot harder? Um, at fourteen, by they being put a lot hard. smarter. That's true. That's true. At fourteen, they put him in charge of a trading charter. Um, and so the idea of Hamilton has compounded layers of meanings in in our mind, in our in our souls. <laughs> in our Mm -hmm. relationships with each other, (laughs) in our relationships with our other friends and our both of our spouses in different ways. My wife did not go to Hamilton, but shared moments with her on the Hill, Um, including at your wedding, actually. We were Mm -hmm. reminiscing about that recently. Um, Mm. And our podcast is named after... A song you have so lovingly heard, Um, at least our version of, or some version of our version of, I'm not exactly (laughs) sure what was decided as the final cut. (laughs) Um, Because the first 30 minutes was uh, us jabbing at it, trying to (laughs) get something going. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so it's very hard for me, and I think for us, to talk about Hamilton the musical Without talking about Hamilton, the college, because I strongly believe that if we had gone to, say, Amherst, or Middlebury, just naming other NESCAC schools or you know, whatever community college or SUNY school, um, we would have been much slower to the game of Hamilton. And mm-hmm. it probably wouldn't mean as much to us.
0: Probably not. Definitely not. Do we have to introduce Hamilton the Musical?
1: I, I feel like if you at this point have not listened to or watched Hamilton the Musical um, on Disney Plus um, or just listened to it on Spotify, I'm not sure what's holding you back. Um, mm-hmm. If there is something holding you back, I hope this episode helps kind of open up the door for you. Um I know people who I dearly love and care about um who have decided that they Hamilton is not for them because they utterly despise and hate all rap music and think it's <laughs> the worst thing ever. And I have told them that they're making an uninformed decision. Um and it's had such an impact on our culture. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And I was just listening to one of my favorite songs um, right before the episode. And like, there's a version of it that uh, the former U S president, Barack Obama, um, you know, is part of. Um, And before Hamilton, the musical ever started, it was performed at two different places. One, the white house Um, in what has become a pretty famous series of uh, video of some of the songs. And the other one was for the Bicentennial of Hamilton College in 2012. Um, Before this musical came out, our mascot for our college was a pig in a Continental soldier uniform. They called him Al Ham. After the musical, our mascot was rebranded as Alexander Hamilton. Mm-hmm. The first place I ever heard this musical, anything from this musical, was at our—is it convocation? Is that the first day? Oh, um, the president, former president of Hamilton College, a a um, a French professor who became president, um, who is a. The last person you'd expect to start, um, or at least that visually that you'd expect to start, um, yeah, to know this musical, Joan? Jo- yep, Joan, yep, yep, Heim- Heim- <laughs> yeah. yeah, um, Joan, Joan Hines Stewart, right? Yeah, um, I remember her stepping up to the microphone and saying. How does a bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean, impoverished and squalor, grow up to be a hero and a scholar? The $10 founding father without a father got a lot farther by working a lot harder, by being a self-starter. And I was like, (laughs) what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it was still, for me, two or three years before I really – gave Hamilton a chance. Um, Hmm. And that was shortly before, right around the time it was going on Broadway. Um, And so I will stop there. Um, That's just a little bit of an introduction to it. Um, But our relationship with Hamilton, which has clearly done so much for us. We've shared on this episode, in this podcast before, like how we met each other you know, through Hamilton. Um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, you know, Hunter met his wife. Met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Many of other friends. Um, you know, we were pushed in directions that are still impacting our lives. Um, we both have given um maybe the, the dancings a little more regularly than I have, um, to the college, um and supported various I have a piece of the Hamilton College chapel in my house with uh, the Hamilton um, logo branded on it. I have a finger puppet of Alexander Hamilton and a huge Hamilton chair and um, a bobblehead of Alexander Hamilton from another time I've given. Like It is very clear to people when they walk into my house what college I came from um, and the way in which... I think we both talk about our colleges very different from the way that many other people talk about their colleges. And yet we are, I will say for myself, I feel like I'm in a little bit of a love hate relationship with our college right now. Um, And um, yeah, it's going to take a while for me to feel like there's been any healing to it. Um, Mm -hmm. I've spoken a lot. I want to give you a chance to say things or maybe, kind of bring the conversation forward here. Yeah, I think,
0: I think we would be remiss not to mention uh, how we have the most recently what has happened with Hamilton, which I think has really challenged me because I don't think I've questioned my um quote-unquote, loyalty to Hamilton as much in in the past years. Um, But it was something that caused me to cancel my donation. I just had a a monthly, and I canceled it because uh, Hamilton, some... It sounded like it was, like, one person who made the decision, uh, but they decided to fire... um, the chaplain, Jeff McCarn, who has been there for over 27, 25, 27 27 years. years. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff was a huge part like of, of our time at Hamilton. I don't think you can understate um, how, <laughs> how,
1: I don't think you
0: That Jeff organized. I met Kim at the retreat, the, Je- the retreat that Jeff organized. Um, and he's really like the spiritual heart of the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just summarily dismissed him somehow. And it's because he doesn't have tenure. It's not a tenured position. Um, and and I also didn't know this, um, that they ended the the posse program.
1: Yeah, in, in Boston. Just the yeah. Boston one. They have some of the other ones just still. Just Boston, okay. I think some of the Miami ones go on in. Um, I, yeah. I read that in the article too. I was like, what in
0: the world? Yeah. Um, and Posse was a program that encouraged diversity on the campus. It, it, uh, allowed, um, students from less privileged backgrounds to, to go to Hamilton and, um, it just kind of stinks. It's, it's, <laughs> um, And yet, you know, I I look back really fondly at my time at Hamilton. Um, It it was really challenging and difficult, um, but I learned a lot and it pushed me academically uh, and spiritually and has really, you know, shaped me into who I am today and the the writer that I am. Um, Oh, yeah. Um. Do you have more more that you want to say before we go? Yeah, into the let, me, let me
1: say this. Um, I just want to just take a moment to just lift up Jeff McCarn, Um, because he is one of the greatest people I have ever met um, and got the chance to be with a mentor in my life. Um, I knew him before I really knew Hamilton College um, through a sibling who had attended there. I think it's safe to say that a, at least a few of the major steps I've taken in my life have become be, been because of his influence. Um, like I did my first residency with a pastor um, through, and he was the one that helped pay for that through the chaplaincy program, um, mm-hmm. did a huge, um, we went to a huge conference in um, St. Louis with Six, 15 other members of Hamilton through Jeff's like voice and, and um, financial guidance. <laughs> um, I made the decision to pursue a Masters of Divinity degree um, at few specific colleges because I knew that that is what Jeff did to become a college mm-hmm. chaplain and I chose the university that he did dep- he went to as well as a couple other that were in the same type of boat and spent a year as a college chaplain in that program Mm -hmm. and was actually in the midst of discussing with him a time to come to the Hill to talk about my current work with refugees to current Hamilton students um, through the chaplaincy office. And You said it, he was kind of the like the, the the spiritual heart of the campus. I would say he was even more uh, more than that. I think in many ways he was like um, like a moral in addition to that I think he was also a moral and ethical heart of the campus mm. um, a voice helping us remember um, a lot of right. the services and like larger events he held on the campus were about remembering p- the past. Um, and about holding on to that, holding on to the pain of that um mm-hmm. and then also um giving the space to discuss it and to move forward um I think of this uh, the remembrance of nine eleven it's a big one that comes to my mind every year, and mm-hmm. um the candlelight services um i i yeah. could go on i could go on I know week both could go on we could make an entire episode <laughs> about him um I mean, just this, like the sunday chapel services
0: that he did mm-hmm. every every sunday um i'll never forget what he said about how when he makes the he would make bake the bread for the communion and he talked about how he would always you know cut across and the top of the bread, um, as you do with bread and, you know, the analogy of that to the flesh of Christ
1: being broken for us. Um, I I don't remember that. That's beautiful. Yeah. uh, And I mean, so that, that really has shaken us, uh, Hmm. I think it's safe to say. And and I know our relationship with Hamilton will strengthen again over the coming years. But I feel like it might take years, actually. Um, because I, I can't think of a reason why. And the different pieces we've read as far as like the reasons why just aren't reasons. A change of direction yeah. is the language used. And so... Um, if anybody from Hamilton is listening to this, um, you know, we love you guys. Um, feel free to reach out to us if you're feeling challenged or pain about that or, um, you know, it's, I know, you know, it might not seem big in the scope of everything happening in our world. Um, but relationships are important. Um, and we can't lose the importance of a single life. um, because that will help hold us to every life Mm. um, and the beauty of each and every one of us. So Hamilton, the musical, (laughs) when do you remember first interacting with this musical in a way that goes beyond the, uh, the voice of our college president. (laughs) Uh, I don't have a
0: specific memory. I just know that I started listening to it at some point. Um, I think it was right around when they were considering removing Hamilton from the $10 bill. Hmm. Um, Yeah, that was such a big deal. I was really upset about that (laughs) (laughs) because he literally created the bank. Like, there would not be a bank in a us currency without alexander hamilton um and they wanted to do it to add more diversity to our currency which yes i'm i'm all for that um but alexander hamilton was an immigrant from the caribbean uh and the treasury secretary and i think they ended up removing uh andrew jackson which i i i kind of hate that guy but um uh I have a specific
1: memory listening to Hamilton. In 2024, Harriet Tubman will be the face on every uh, newly printed $20 um, bill. Yeah. All right. Can't wait. Can't wait
0: to stop seeing Andrew Jackson. Mm -hmm. Andrew Jackson's face. He's garbage. But... (sighs) But uh, I have a specific memory. I don't even know when. I was just walking past the chapel listening to Hamilton on my headphones. And I think it was the first moment. I think I remember it because it was the moment where it really clicked. Where like, like, because Hamilton really opened, it was the gateway to musicals for me. Mm. Um, Because my previous exposure to musicals was Disney. And... I was not the kind of person to start loving musicals because of Disney musicals, uh, especially because there were a few friends in my youth group who used to taunt me with Disney musicals and play them purposely because they knew that I wasn't crazy about them.
1: musicals. Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so I would have described myself as someone who did not enjoy musicals until Hamilton. And which is, you know, a testament, I think, to Hamilton because I am not I was not a huge fan of rap. I'm still not the biggest fan of it. I, I, I appreciate it um more now. Um partly because of Hamilton and also Twenty One Pilots. But um <laughs> that that's one of my earliest memories. And it was just like everyone on campus was listening to Hamilton at it was really you know, i that's why we said it wouldn't mean as much to us if we hadn't gone to Hamilton and it came out while we were going to Hamilton. So it was like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it, it really was. Yeah. One of those like once in a lifetime things, uh, that it, we were able to be a part of.
1: People have applied to Hamilton college because of the musical, like it <laughs> blew up. Um, mm-hmm. Like we have classmates that went to like some of the opening showings on Broadway because they were studying in New York city <laughs> at that time. Um, Thank you, them. <laughs> let me, uh, Hunter, for me, I distinct, you know, I don't have a great memory. That's, that's not something that I have to say, but I have a very visual memory. Um, and so I remember things as I share and, and I see them and I distinctly remember where I was when I listened to the Hamilton album for the first time it was our senior year I was on the third floor of Say Dove, Um student Center um, sitting in in front of one of the windows looking over the mail room um, sitting at a table looking over the mail room through one of the windows um, it what had become my favorite space to work on my um, Capstone thesis, uh, my independent thesis, and I turned on the musical with the thought that I could listen to it as I was working. Very quickly realized that was not the case. <laughs> Primarily because I was so fascinated and so enthralled by the music that there was no reason for me to, I couldn't do anything else. And I'm pretty sure I sat there for two hours and 22 minutes (laughs) listening to the music before I did anything else. Or I listened to at least (laughs) the first half of it. It was amazing. Um, and it, it really, I mean, I've always loved musicals, I, but it, it really, I think it opened my eyes to a different genre of music, uh, genres, and it brought, and, and it continues to this, it brings history to life in a way that is really unparalleled, I think. Um, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda is... one of the greatest musical minds or music minds like that has lived. Um, I think that like, I mean, the idea that he was on vacation reading the story that of Alexander Hamilton that you have in front of you, what, how many pages is it? 600, 400. Oh, it's like 700, 700 pages. He was sitting there. there, He picked it up because somebody had at the Airbnb or whatever he was saying. And he read it and he's like, this would make a great musical. What?
0: Yeah, Ron Chernow's Alexander Hamilton biography. I just went and watched the original or one of the original um, performances of like the first song in Hamilton uh, by Lynn. And it was at like the Washington poetry slam or something and he looks so young and he's like at the beginning he's like i am making a hip-hop concept album about one of our most important founding fathers uh alexander hamilton And, and they laughed people laughed and that the reaction of everyone in the crowd including obama they were just laughing mostly it was very like polite and respectful laugh and you could see some people getting into it, but it was like, we, I think we take it for granted now, um, you know, that Hamilton is a, is a blockbuster, but you know, when Lynn was writing it, it was really just, there There wasn't really anything like it. Um, oh Yeah. And I mean, it like I've read uh Ron turnow's biography and I could definitely see how, how Lynn was inspired. Um, and you can see a lot of like the source of the musical in it. Um, you know, but having the source is one thing and and being able to but being able to turn it into a musical uh that that flows, you know, that tells the story, that that does everything that Hamilton does is is, you know just takes so much talent and hard work and um and and it's it's funny to see to watch that performance because lynn he, he doesn't have a great singing voice he's definitely improved um but he still doesn't have like a naturally classically good singing voice um and you can really hear in that performance like his voice cracks he's a little off sometimes but you know what really is the meat of Hamilton are the lyrics.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh
0: my goodness! And oh my goodness! It's like you know, it, it never gets old. You know, I just I went back and I was like, you know, I've listened to Hamilton so <laughs> countless times, countless countless times. There's a way to try many times to listen to it. Yeah, and and every time I go back to listen to it again, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm listening to Hamilton again. And then, you know, within like five seconds, I, me, who I am trying to rap and I, I, I as much as I appreciate rap, I know that I will never, <laughs> ever be able to convincingly rap. <laughs> I'm just too, <laughs> too white and too, <laughs> you know, I could sing, but I, I could sing blues, but I, I just can't, it doesn't Hunter, sound good. Your body was built for
1: blues. You were That's a true. person built for blues. Yeah. When you go outside of it, you're good, but you're not incredible. When you're in blues, (laughs) like you are incredible. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Um But that's like I'm just whenever I start listening to it again, I'm I'm right there in it. Um,
1: Um I yield I yield to you. <laughs> um I I just came across this, so I was just found the the book on Alexander Hamilton that I, I still haven't read. It's embarrassing, but I haven't read it. But I got it for Christmas, I think. Um because inside of it, this was Christmas in 2017. Inside of it was was this. Hmm. It was the tickets. For seeing Hamilton the musical um, in Chicago, because it was on Chicago for I don't know eight years, um, and my wife and I lived there for a time, and we went on March twenty seventh, two thousand eighteen. Um, the um, I don't know the names of any any of the actors. There were a couple. Um, a couple of the people it was there. Um, it was there understudy performing? Um, the guy who played Hamilton was actually. I think the guy who played Hamilton and the guy who played Aaron Burr were both understudies. Hmm. The guy who played Hamilton was like five eight, maybe five like tops, probably five eight. And the guy who played yeah. Hamilton, the guy who played Hamilton was five eight. And the guy who played Aaron Burr was like six five. And at one point. Um, and I can't remember the specific point. It was in somewhere in the second half, I think. Like they did, a, he did a short joke, it like an implied short joke on the scene, oh, nice. and it was hilarious. Um, nice. But it was the first time I'd ever seen the show. So hmm. about two years, two plus years into listening to Hamilton, already knowing the music, you know, forwards, backwards, inside out, um, pretty much. I'd never seen it. And one of the things I've learned about myself is I am, um, this is probably not the correct wording for it, um, but I'm like voice blind (laughs) um, in the sense of if I am listening to a song and cannot visualize the people singing it, I will hear pretty much any male and pretty much any female voice as being the same. So there's male voices and there's female voices. And so there are so many songs I didn't understand until I saw, like, Dear Theodosia. I was like, why is Alexander Hamilton singing to this person, Theodosia? Like, I thought he was having a daughter. Well, who's singing that song? Aaron Burr. <laughs> and mm-hmm. these different pieces that I just like, <laughs> I couldn't understand what was happening in this musical. Mm. Just listening to it because I couldn't tell, like, distinguish the voices, even though the voices are very distinguishable. Like, it's it's very obvious when Lin Manuel Miranda is singing versus Leslie Odom Jr. versus Davey Diggs. Um, yeah, you know, versus you know, you name whoever it is you want to, Christopher Jackson. Oh my goodness, uh, um, I I could keep going. Um, the Stage for Hamilton Is brilliant There's like 16 mm. people Like tops in the musical It is in There's a word for it And I always get the word wrong It's not I always think musical opera It's not what it is But there's a There's a word for it Or an operata Or something like that There are Maybe like Less than five minutes Of spoken lines In this entire musical Sung through Sung through musical is that what is is that what it is, I think um, so, and that's it's it's amazing because what you're listening to on the track is what you see. In fact, if you're listening to the CD version of, um, if you listen to it on CD, it actually is slower at times than in the musical. Because Mm. the CD takes a a half second to switch between songs and the musical doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like, there are a couple, I remember listening to the CD, there are a couple breaks, and it'll be like, I am not throwing away my shot. And I'd be like, yeah, where's that break? And then the musical is like, oh, it just keeps going. Like, I don't know how they can keep doing this. (laughs) Um, And the stage is kind of, there's a a second tier um, where people are standing, like, kind of looking out over. Uh, over the middle. And then in the middle of it, um, where, you know, just regular ground, it, it spins like, it's like a record. They can control the direction of the spin as well, which is actually, it's very similar concept to Hadestown. Hadestown definitely took a lot of its ideas for um, what the stage would look like from Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. But the way they use that, especially with things like the 10 dual commandments, and like slowing the movement and walking backwards, it's, um, it's wicked. <laughs> Good one. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I, I had seen the bootleg way back when, um, mm-hmm. but you can't really see it in the bootleg. It's just, you know, some person hiding a camera in their bag. Um, hiding their phone in their bag or whatever. So you don't really get a. It's not really worth it to watch, honestly. Um, the first time I actually saw it was the Disney Plus um special, um, which is really well done. Oh yeah, yeah they. <laughs> I wish I wish every broad mu- musical would get that right. At some point. <gasps> have you seen the Newsies um, version?
1: One, have you seen the news? No. Oh, the Newsies on Disney Plus is great too. Sorry,
0: yeah. Um, because like I know that they they probably think that I don't really know, but my guess would be they 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 don't do it because they want people to come to the theater, but like you know, my wife and I <laughs> we're not gonna go to the it's like it takes a lot to go to the city and
1: pay for the tickets and everything and I just think and you actually might be more likely to do it if you yeah <laughs> right musicals are the type of yeah. thing that when you watch them it makes you want to re-watch them right um like let's use yeah. come from away one of the greatest musicals of all time which hopefully we'll discuss in a future season um like if you listen to that music and if you see it, you want to watch it again and again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Hunter, you've been able to see it live too now, right?
0: Yes. I did. We did see it in Hartford. It came to Connecticut um, and we were able to go to Hartford. And that was actually my first time and my wife's first time, my sister and my mom came to and it was all of our first time seeing it live um and it was good we had like kind of far seats um it was just it was fulfilling to see it i don't remember the cast or that well i don't remember their names um i remember whoever played angelica schuyler was was a standout i think for me um in terms of the cast um And I I I rewatched the Disney Plus one for this episode and Oh perfect. Um I was blown away by the choreography. Um especially on Rewind. There the, the mm-hmm. rewind song where I think it's called the title is Satisfied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but it's Angelica's A song. Toast
1: to the... Yeah. To the primary. um your Rewind was you, you into the union to the rever-
0: They do the whole marriage Rewind. song in sequence where Alexander Hamilton is sending letters to Eliza and talking to his dad and getting permission to marry her and, and then getting married and everything. Um I think it's called Winter's Ball. Mm-hmm. And then And then they do the sequence but they do it backwards and they all end up in the same spots um like on the stage they 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 do it forwards when hamilton is courting eliza and then they do it backwards but they do it really naturally when angelica is talking about um how she feels about everything that's going on because she has feelings for hamilton and um so she's like commenting on how she is feeling in the same moments where you have just witnessed, um, you know, Hamilton courting Eliza like she's in the exact same spot, I'm pretty sure where she is when when Hamilton is sending letters, Peggy brings a letter over, and Eliza opens it. Yeah, and Angelica says like, I'm just saying, if you really loved me, you would share him. Um, Except in the Satisfied song, she's um, talking about her feelings and, and everything else. And, uh, it's, it, it blew me away. <laughs> um, and the the rest of the choreography in the song is, is also in the musical is just so good. It's just like, honestly, I I've seen some other musicals. Um, and I mean, great, I, most recently my wife and I saw Hades Town. That's why we went to the city. Um also to see friends and family. But um uh
1: <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have gone if Hades Town wasn't there.
0: Um and of course, you know, Hades Town is, is phenomenal. And did the, you in, get chills? Is
1: listening to Haiti? Did was his did his voice nah. like resonate in your soul? Oh like I it was about? a
0: good it was a good voice, but I, I, you know me, I like Orpheus mm-hmm. um, better than Hades at this point. So mm-hmm. I was just totally starstruck because it was actually uh, the actors who played Orpheus and Eurydice Re- in the original, uh, really? still playing Orpheus and Eurydice. Oh my yeah, goodness. It was oh, actually Reeve Carney and even Azada. So when they came on the stage, I was just like uh, uh, totally <sighs> floored. Um, I would have loved <laughs> to hear it. Wait for me. To, sung by. Oh, even Noblezada like totally owns the stage uh, in Town, Like because you could hear her acting. It wasn't the same as the recording. Like she was still acting and doing a little differently um, than the recordings. So it was it was. Anyway. Um... <laughs> but. You know, Kim and I, Kim came down to watch Hamilton with me uh, the other night when I was rewatching it. And she was like, yeah, I could see how this would blow people away um, just because the, you know, you have the lyrics, which are just, it's amazing. And uh, then all the choreography
1: and everything else comes up to match it. Um, it. It is, Hamilton is very easy. The words are very easy to follow. Sorry, the words are very clear. Um it is probably worth listening to a couple times before you watch it or to watch it with subtitles for the first time so you can catch the words. Just because so many of them are spoken so quickly um which is part of the the beauty of hip hop um rap is that is that. Um but being able to c- catch the words is it just it's really I've heard people that are just kind of felt like it was unapproachable hmm. because of that. Um, but I, we're I, talking about the different choreography in it. We love it. I think one of the best parts about the choreography is when you get to the various pieces that the king does. Because so, as soon as, in, in those moments, we go from this like beautifully choreographed, like whole. Like cast interaction to a message from the king a message from the king um, and he walks out um, and it's absurd and it's hilarious and the different actors pl- portray him differently and, and it's, it's great um, when push comes to shove and he just stands there and like one or two of them he'll like lift his his robes and he like move his legs a little bit but outside of that there's like no movement and so yes and the shoulders too yes and so the the every the visual aspect of the show parallels and correlates perfectly with the verbal aspect of it and it just creates this incredible dichotomy between the king you know and the great you know the British and the revolutionaries uh, and the the new the new country being set up um but hunter um, when you are thinking about Hamilton, but don't have time to listen to the entire show. Which songs do you come back to, whether they be in your mind or in your listening?
0: I come back to the first one, and I think it's the second to last one. Um, the world was wide after enough. Burr Hamilton. The world was wide enough for both
1: Hamilton and me. Okay.
0: Why? Why are those what you go to? Because I think for me, Hamilton does so many things. Um, I think the thing that I keep coming back to uh, and, you know, the reason that my wife and I want, we, we like to rewatch Hamilton on the 4th of July every year. That's great. Um, (laughs) Because I think you said it, it brings history to life in an unparalleled way. Um, And my favorite moment in the whole musical is when Burr, after he shoots Hamilton, he looks at the audience. And he he just kind of presents himself holding the gun. And he says, now I'm the villain in your history. Because it it breaks the fourth wall in in such a beautiful way, and you've seen this building throughout the musical, um, and I think I think the real turning point is is the room where it happens, both for Burr's character and also in in breaking the fourth wall with the audience, in inviting the audience into politics and our current political situation, current at the time and also current now. Is the fact that you know none of us, all, all the the vast majority of us, except for like a select few, are not in the room where politics happens, um, dark as a tomb where it happens, and and Burr is you know singing about this meeting between Hamilton and Jefferson and Madison, but he's also singing about America now. Um, you know we don't want to know how the sachets gets made um and so so i come back to you know the the beginning song which um i think i come back to that one because it's so effectively remembers hamilton Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) it's a perfect opening to song
0: yeah yeah and it's just tells so much about Hamilton's story um, in such an effective way, in such a gripping way and and a rhythmic way that just, just bumps. You just start, you know, just bump. jamming to it, moving your head. It's like, <laughs> um, you know, if, 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 if Joni could rap it, like it's it's got some, it's got, it's got a beat. It's got a dirty beat. Um I love the way that Hamilton invites the audience into, you know, the real story of, of our nation, something that's more realistic, um, than speeches and orations, which, you know, it's not that speeches aren't unimportant, but there's a lot behind those. Um, yes. And uh, of course I, I also think about the final moment of the song, which, which, The final moment of the musical, which I never really knew about because I'd never seen it, uh, until I had seen the Disney Plus one, where Eliza, at the the very last thing that she does, she gives this kind of gasp, and you know it's not really clear what she's looking at. She says, "And that's the end." And the, the only insight that I have into this is I think is like Lynn. When I used to be on Twitter, I saw Lynn retweet someone else's tweet about how this moment is Eliza sort of seeing because her struggle, you know, afterwards, after Hamilton dies, is to tell Hamilton's story. Who tells your story? Um and she is finally seeing in this moment that Hamilton story has been told, mm. um, which is just beautiful. Cause especially when you read the biography too, like Hamilton really, he gets, he really gets done dirty by America. Um, all of his political opponents, um, you know, he gives them plenty of ammunition and plenty of reasons to hate <laughs> him, of course. Uh, but they take advantage of his death to, to rake his name through the mud and Eliza, lives 50 years after he dies and tries to not necessarily clear his name but tell his whole story um and and kind of give him his his rightful place among the founding fathers and this musical finally did that um <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's
0: beautiful. so that's that's what I love about it and that's what I keep coming back to and it also just kind of inspires me to have a little bit of hope for, for politics in America um, to at least get involved in even the smallest way. Hmm.
1: Um, what about you? I have listened to one song in this show more than probably, uh, maybe more than every other song combined. Um It's probably too audacious of a thing to say, but i come back to one last time like that is it's mm. it's one of my favorite songs and it's the song um of um president george washington um calling alexander hamilton into into his office and having him help him craft his farewell address to the nation Um. And there's probably multiple levels, at least a couple of major levels of why I come back to it. The first is I love power ballads. You <laughs> give me a musical or a an album, especially a heavier metal al- album, probably seven, eight out of ten times, my favorite song will be the or one of the power ballads in it. Your miss like a power ballad of a song. That's it's very much like it takes a step back but like is um if i'm going to dive deeper into it um past the beauty of Christopher Jackson's voice which is just he's got an incredible voice and and one of the things that broke my heart when i was watching it live is the actor who's was playing Washington his voice broke during one last time and it was like it was The reason, like the the top of my list of like what I wanted to like see live. And so there was like, that kind of like broke my heart a little bit. Um, Yeah. But the other piece is something that you brought up in, in, maybe it was last episode or one of the last couple episodes um, about the farewell address. Um, And I do not know Washington's farewell address. I do not read it like you do um on a regular basis, a yearly basis. Um but the precedence um and the the wisdom with which George Washington imparts and the humility, I think there's a humility in this as well. Oh, well yeah. Or at least the the relinquishing of power, which I think involves humility, um is stunning. Um because he had, if anybody in the history of America could have run for five presidencies straight without there being an issue, it was George Washington. Um, could have done 10, probably. He could have done, I mean, he he might have lived longer if he didn't stop working. I don't know. Um, but he... Chose to relinquish his spot, and I mean, maybe he knew his health was ailing him. He didn't live that long after resigning. I don't birth. I think so. I don't think he did. Um, and, and you know, faith was clearly a part of his life. Um. I've been recently trying to think through what does it mean in my mind to be American? Um, Mm. I'm having some challenges trying to figure that out. Um, I mean, part of it is just working with so many, um, newly welcomed individuals to America, um, who had a lot of expectations for what our country would be, but they're not met. Mm. um, and then I also think, um, and and I know we're not we're not a political podcast. But, um, one of the versions of the song I really enjoy is with former President Barack Obama. He will start. You know, he starts. Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error. I am nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence and that after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service, you know, it just kind of continues on. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, <sighs> teach them how to say goodbye, say goodbye. You and I, 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 it resonates in my soul in a way that I can't communicate. (laughs)
0: I think the moment in that song, no matter how many times I've heard it, in the very least, I start to choke up when I hit this moment, is when Washington says, like the scripture says. (laughs) Everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. They'll be safe in the nation we've made.
1: I want to sit under my own vine and fig tree a moment alone in the shade at home in this nation, we've made one another. because that's the real American dream
0: that no that you can sit under your own vine and fig tree, and no one shall make you afraid.
1: <laughs> I was reading something today and and I wish I'd brought it home i didn't um but it was a pretty much a statement of welcome from president george washington to the nations to bring your mm. to, you know of, of, to welcome others to our country um, mm-hmm. and i am fully understanding the fact that our country was the of the sins of our country right, right. the only reason we could have a quote unquote free land is because of the systemic oppression and um killing of native people, and then of the trafficking, the forced migration you know human trafficking of six hundred and forty five thousand enslaved africans and like that 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 brokenness, that sin is not lost in this musical either
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and one of the one of the things that I think helped Hamilton as a musical continue to grow um, and that I actually quite enjoyed is that is the Hamilton mixtape. Hunter, uh, I don't know if you've spent much time listening to it. Um, Not too much. But I was just re-listening to a song. There's a, a Cabinet Battle 3 demo um, mm-hmm. that was released that's about the issue of slavery. In America, mm. um, and it's fascinating, and it's beautiful, and it's it's challenging, um, and it's heartbreaking, kind of where it lands on. Um, um, and 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 there are others there are others. I, you you brought up a little bit ago what one of my favorite songs, um, and that's, um, I guess, um, satisfied. Mm. That's another song I just love I love the story it tells Kind of breaks my heart Because I know what's coming And, and all of these pieces um, And there's A A a song in the mixtape that sung by Eliza Not Angelica um, As the uh, in response to the, the, the whatever song it is where she's like talking about like the world has no, you know, right to our bed or our house like I'm burning. Burn. Yeah, burn. There's a song called Congratulations, um, which you have to have heard. I don't know. But the premise of it is congratulations. You've invented a new kind of stupid and open all the cages <laughs> in the zoo kind of stupid. Like and it's a it's a song of Eliza, um, I think it's primarily Eliza, singing to Hamilton about how stupid, and maybe it's Angelica. I I I think it's Eliza, but um, Mm. about like the the idiocy of not only the affair, but then the Reynolds pamphlets after that. Mm -hmm.
0: You ever seen somebody ruin their own life? His poor wife. <laughs> I love that the the king gets in on the never gonna be president now.
1: Never gonna be president now.
0: I didn't know that because uh, I hadn't seen it. And then the king the king is walking around throwing papers around. Never gonna be president now. Never gonna be
1: president. Now. Um. I- we you spent time listening to the song Hurricane? Yeah, I mean, I've... Uh... I feel like it's an undervalued song in this show. Yeah. It's, um... it's such a moving song, and it it's... You almost feel like he's in a sane place, but clearly he does an insane act following it. But, like, it also, like... It does a really good job of kind of putting into perspective for probably the third time in the show, like, Alexander Hamilton's life and kind of what led him to this moment. And like the, the thing that he has always had to protect him is his writing.
0: Yeah. I, uh, Ron Chernow in the bio- biography, he says that Hamilton must have scratched out the maximum number of words that a person could write in uh, 47 or 49 years. Um, there's some dispute about, Hamilton's birth date, whether it's 55 or 57, I think. Um, <laughs> but Hamilton wrote like he was running out of time. Like it's it's kind of incredible. Um, one of my favorite songs is actually uh, The Farmer Refuted, <laughs> which is the, the debate between Hamilton and Samuel Severy. Uh, Samuel Severy is a Tory who who, you know, is urging them to stay with britain and not rebel Uh,
1: not the rabble who scream revolution they have not your interests at heart my god tear this dude apart chaos and bloodshed are not a solution don't let them lead you astray this Congress does not speak for me. My dog speaks more eloquently than thee. A dangerous game. Germain just to say I pray the king shows you his mercy. For mercy shame. in Jersey. For shame.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that song is actually based on um, a, a series of articles that were written back and forth. Samuel Severy published something about a farmer or something uh, about why they should not seed from Britain, why it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Hamilton's first response was um, 35 pages long. <laughs> <laughs> it was his first rebuttal. And then Sam O'Sivory published a response to that. And Hamilton's second response was 87 pages long. Where did they get in this page? Combined, that's like almost as long as my book. Like, And and he's just refuting a farmer about politics and, and why not deceive from Britain. So Hamilton was so prolific. And this, you know, writing without a word processor, writing without with pen and ink, you know, Um, it's just, it's kind of staggering when you think about the numbers, like it was a total of 60,000 words that he wrote against Samuel Severy. (laughs) Um, and Lynn adapts it so, so brilliantly, um, in the way that they do the debate, um, But you've heard a very poor sample (laughs) from us. Uh, That was pretty good. Not bad. I like. Yeah, it was fine. I've been looking at my Samuel
1: Severy voice for uh, for quite a while. I mean, just comparing to. (laughs) Okay, well, don't compare us to Broadway (laughs) musicians in a (laughs) recording (laughs) studio. It's not a fair comparison.
0: (laughs) That's true um but i, I i've i actually related to that song pretty hard throughout my life I, I think it's impossible for anyone uh who writes for any amount of time whether it's going to college or or writing a novel or being a journalist or whatever i think it's pretty hard not to relate to that song because you know hamilton talks about how he wrote his way out of poverty mm um and that's what he's done his whole life um
1: going back to hurricane sorry
0: yeah hurricane which is based on the hurricane that came to his hometown um and hamilton wrote an wrote a letter to his father and then i think a guy one of his mentors saw the letter and he encouraged him to publish it and people read it and were so impressed by it that they they um, set up a subscription that people could donate to to send him to college. Um, so he, he literally wrote his way out of poverty um, because he had a w- real rough time. But I related to this song because I don't know if you experienced this at Hamilton, and this might be a good segue into more how it shaped us personally. Um, but I experienced some pretty intense imposter syndrome at Hamilton. <laughs> um, because the the people at Hamilton were just so impressive, the people who got into Hamilton, <laughs> in, in our class and other classes, just like, like, I know I got in here somehow. Um, but I'm here with all of these incredible, amazing people, and I've, I'm just struggling along. I feel like I'm totally BSing it here. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure that's what the vast majority of people felt as well. Um, but I, I still can't see exactly how Hamilton looked at like my applications and my qualifications. Not to like demean myself, but... I don't know exactly how I got in, you know, because uh, there were just so many incredibly impressive people with with, with really amazing resumes and stuff. Um, and the only thing that I could think of is that it was my college essay <laughs> that, you know, because I, I revised it a lot and stuff. And so I, I I didn't write myself out of poverty, but I wrote myself into Hamilton, maybe, who knows. I mean, there's a large part of college admissions that are just
1: plain luck. So might be it, but... I've spent some time on the other side of college admissions. It is hard. It is really hard to try and make those decisions. Um, But one of the things Hamilton highly values or highly valued was just... the desire to be at Hamilton and to be like in that space of relationship and mm-hmm. so yeah writing is a huge part of it and the only additional piece that we had was write a thousand characters of why you want to come to Hamilton, and that wasn't just for fluff i think that mattered too yeah sorry i was answering a question you weren't asking
0: no 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 it's good um So, so yeah, Hurricane, I've, I've come back to a lot. Um, And it's, it's kind of ironic because it's arguably one of Hamilton's, like one of the worst decisions that he ever made was to write the Reynolds pamphlet um, because it totally destroyed his reputation and humiliated his family. Um, (laughs)
1: Mm Yeah. There is a moment that is not talked about in his life that I have inferred by listening to the songs. I have not read the biography. Um, there's a moment um, after Philip's death. Um, right, but after Stay Alive, the, the song, It's Quiet Uptown. Talks about him going to, you know, talks about his life now. There's a moment he talks about praying and going to church, things he didn't do before. And Mm -hmm. as I listened to this story, I remember, I think it might have been last year at some point, and the umpteenth time listening through, I, I kind of hit a point and I was like, I think there is a spiritual transformation that happened in Alexander Hamilton's life after the death of his son, Philip. Um, and and I think that not only because does it talk about him praying and going to church, um, and I'm assuming some of it has a basis in, in this story, um, but I'm also basing it off of the way he interacts in the rest of his life. And again, I'm doing this based off of a musical Reading into it, that's part of my own background and um things I do, but I see a change in his character um, mm-hmm. I see a selfishness throughout his whole life, um and I think there's still kind of a selfish a moment where he dies through kind of a somewhat selfish behavior um, like this, the your obedient servant, which is a hilarious song um and <laughs> reflects like actual letters written between Araber and Alexander Hamilton. Um, mm-hmm. But even with that, I, I can't listen to this musical now, or see it, and not feel that a weight has both been put on and lifted from Alexander Hamilton and Eliza following Philip's death. Not following the Reynolds pamphlets. Not following these other moments, but following that—is um, that something that you know was anywhere in the biography, or that um, you've like heard, thought of before? Or, is, or does it feel like I'm making that up? I mean, it's
0: definitely not. You're not going on uh, nothing. It's definitely implied in the musical. Um, he says that he never used to pray. I just started rereading the biography today. So I've only gone through like the first three chapters and I read it a while ago. Um, but, you know, he does mention in the beginning, towards the beginning, that Hamilton had a kind of ambivalence about going to church because they didn't treat him well in the Caribbean because he was uh, an illegitimate child. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is, is probably part of why he was so defensive and antagonistic and cared so much about his honor, uh, is because he didn't have it when he was a kid and he was really disparaged and put out and taken advantage of by almost everyone in his life. Um, But I think it's definitely there. And I. I, Related to that song, I I think about Eliza a lot. Um, Especially on this, on this listen around, I was thinking a lot about Eliza uh, and how, you know, she removes herself from the narrative. So she like destroyed her letters uh, from Hamilton. And. the song where they talk about how they're going through the unimaginable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, as a writer, I think one of the first rules is that you don't say things like it was too difficult to imagine, or it was, you know, too intense for words or something like that. Because if you're a writer, you should have the words to say it. Um, But this is a song where I think, lynn is a good writer and he knows when to break the rules and he breaks that rule with this because it truly is you know both the the death of a child and the forgiveness of hamilton for something mm-hmm. so for such a uh, such a betrayal uh, is really not something you can imagine unless you've gone through it um You know, I have kids now, and Philip's death hits really hard. I, I almost wanted to skip
1: through it. I wanted to skip through it, but I was like, no, (laughs) for the sake, I'm going to listen to it. Next time I listen to it, I'm giving my myself the opportunity to skip through that and through, um, yeah, the
0: it hits different. Mm -hmm. Um, so the the best that I think we can do, like that, historians can do, is is kind of just conjecture off the evidence but i think there is a fair amount of evidence to say that i mean hamilton was as much as he didn't seem to like the church that much partly because of his his upbringing he he was very spiritual and he, he wrote a lot of poems and things that alluded to his his spiritual life um and i can't really imagine going through the death of a child and the things that Ham, all the other things Hamilton went through too, without, um, yeah, <laughs> approach at at the very least approaching God. Mm-hmm. Um, and
1: Hunter, this might feel like maybe a little bit of a, a turn in our, in our conversation. Um, and I'm sure there are many things like in every episode that we're leaving unsaid that probably you know, we'll kick ourselves for later that another person would bring into the conversation. Um, but one of the beauties of this show, um, is the casting decisions. So this is going to be, this is an embarrassing thing to say when I went and watched the show in 2018 in Chicago, <laughs> I knew that the casting was very purposefully, you know, non-white actors, um, you know, people who are immigrants and, you know, different pieces. Um, I thought it was the next step further uh, that all future renditions and future casts of Hamilton would, um, yeah. reflect the backgrounds of the original cast and oh. so, when I first watched it, I remember getting like halfway through the song, the opening song, Alexander Hamilton, and being so confused because I was like, this character that they're trying to portray as Alexander Hamilton, like, like he's not Hispanic, thus, like, he must not be the right Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, you know my brain started working. And I was like, That's, what in the world are you thinking? That's a, what? What? Just what? Um, but I also know that there are people that, for whatever reason, were against this. Um,
0: We've seen it with uh, Rings of Power recently, too. Ugh. The casting of Erendir. Who's by um, far the
1: best character in that.
0: Oh yeah. I mean come on. Ishmael Cruz Cordoba, man. That guy he's still my man. I don't like the show, but I just I love it. his parts are all amazing. I he get him, so. Yeah. Um one way that, that Hamilton has shaped me is thinking about diversity and storytelling. Um, and I Started to say something on our very first episode about Hamilton because I think we, Rings of Power came up and we were talking about how it's kind of a dumb reason not to like the show, probably the most dumb reason not to like the show. Um, but I didn't fully develop it, and I think what I've come around to is that diversity does not detract. From a story diversity enhances a story mm. and that's what hamilton proved because hamilton wouldn't be what it is without the diversity of the cast without them bringing their backgrounds um, the you know the, the musical stylings <laughs> uh you know hip how much hip-hop shaped hamilton it shaped lynn and um it it really bring so much more, um, for lack of a better word, brings so much more color, so much more um, richness and tells a story that is more true to America. Because mm-hmm. um, it's a story that has been untold about America. And like, look, Tolkien said about theater. Your belief test has to be hung drawn and quartered, <laughs> so the argument that uh you know it kills your immersion to see Aaron Burr as a black man is total bogus to me because you're in a theater you like it's you you're not you're not being tricked into thinking that you're in seventeen seventy six when you're going to watch a show it's it's all all stories um you have to do some work with your imagination to go into it and and if you can get over prejudice or um you know if if you want to call it something else then you can really be drawn in and and discover so much more richness and um because if you just ignore it then you're just missing out uh really robbing yourself of great stories
1: and storytellers. I think it's important to note in this part of the conversation our country's long dualistic view of immigrants because and I i found this out in the work I'm doing, working with refugees and other immigrants and, and and other and Americans as well. Um, there's this dualistic piece where we celebrate our immigrant past. Right? The statement, oh my grandparents came the, the right way and you know, pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and did all this. Sim- simultaneously preventing and, and, and attacking immigration in the United States and trying to prevent it from happening. And it's Mm. this dualism and it's also not a new thing in the United States. Here's a, it's just a a quote that I was made aware of today that I just wanted to share with you. Um, and I'll give you a chance of, of guessing maybe a little bit of the context. Um, (laughs) Why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to Germanize us instead of, in, instead of our Anglifying them, and will never adopt our language or customs any more than they can acquire our complexion? Mm. Do you know who said that? I don't know. John Adams? Benjamin Franklin in 1751 I think it was made this statement about Germans coming to immigrating to the United States before it was even the United States maybe it was 1781 maybe it was after that in the sense that he could he was worried about that, that last piece just blows my mind like Germans look too different from British people. And like, we know, you know, and we've, we know that it is easier for the children and grandchildren of white immigrants um, to become integrated into American society and not seen as the other than for non-white immigrants. Um, and I just I I yeah I, I read this earlier today and I was like I just don't I don't I don't understand. Like this is this is so part of our our past and our present. Um, and the, the other day I was started listening to a book called. The New Reformation by Shylin, and the foreword um, was by a, a pastor, I think, a white pastor talking about a black author who's written this book. Um, and one of the things he was talking about his own cultural background um, as a white American um, and he used the language which I really liked um, and I I can't do it justice necessarily um, but it is not a loss it is not a loss as a white man when our voice moves from being the primary privileged perspective to part of the overall cultural narrative. In fact, that is a net gain for everyone. When we move from privilege to just one of many different perspectives, mm. that's, that's a gain. And in seeing our past in envisioning our present and future, within the diversity of our country as it stands now, that is, there's an incredible beauty to that. And it doesn't mean we should forget our history and repent of it. Um, It doesn't mean we should necessarily celebrate our present and where we're at and how we do things now. Um, I think both of those are two simplistic views of things. And I I think that while time moves linearly, I don't think that progress always necessitates proximity to Christ. Um, But the opportunity to See and hear from voices that are different from our own and those in our primary circles will open up the world and will open up new things in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls that we've never thought about, we've never experienced, and that we never knew we were missing. Hmm.
0: I never knew I was missing Leslie Odom Jr's sweet sweet voice in my life. <laughs> I mean <clears throat>
1: He owned this musical. Mm. Like I- this musical it could as well be called Aaron Burr or Burr. Hamilton. I mean <laughs> that, I mean even just time-wise, there's so much for Aaron Burr. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of like the Hermes of this.
0: He's, uh, he's kind of your guide throughout Mm -hmm. the musical. He's the first guy you hear from about Hamilton. Um, And you could almost say that the musical is the story of, of why Burr killed Hamilton.
1: Um, a large part of it at least. We haven't named Philippa Sue, um, who plays Eliza yet. Um we've talked about some of the things she sung, but her voice, I mean everybody in this this entire cast, um, but the emotion that she carries, especially in Burn, is like it is palpable. Like it's 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 mm-hmm. It's one of those things that yeah. strikes you. It's like it's like a physical blow. Yeah, David Diggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, his the speed with which he can rap is <laughs> second to, it, It's phenomenal. It's
0: uh huh. I, I mean, yeah, like Lafayette's progression is so awesome, and and I I think is. I watched the
1: what about
0: the the disney plus interview they did like interviews with the cast however many years later and David Diggs said it was really cool to see um how how lafayette progresses at the beginning he's like anarchy anarchy how you say anarchy um Mm -hmm. so he's like he can't really like he can't pronounce things or whatever and then when he comes in and it's lafayette he has the fastest raps in the entire musical um and they're just like i, I can't, i'm not even gonna try um yeah but it's
1: amazing well and then and to- the second act i mean this is this is one of the cool things about hamilton um is about three different character, four different actors change characters i think it's four um peggy changes lafayette changes um, and then um, two others, uh, the guy who plays Philip changes, and um, Lawrence Mulligan. Yeah. So all four of them change Change characters. It's the same actors, or mm-hmm. like, but playing a different character. And I remember watching it the, for the first time. I caught two of them, and like, my wife caught one or two of them, and we didn't catch the same ones. Because <laughs> oh. that voice blind thing, yeah. you know? Uh, right, <laughs> yeah.
0: <clears throat> no, it's uh it's John Lawrence and Philip is uh mm-hmm. Anthony Ramos and then David Diggs is uh Lafayette and Jefferson and then um hope I pronounce it right. Okiriete Onaduan is um Hercules Mulligan and Madison, which such a range like <laughs> Hercules Mulligan and Madison are so different from each other. Um, and he does such an amazing job. And then, um, I was really this time around, I really loved Anthony Ramos, uh, as, as John Lawrence and, uh, Philip. I, I was, I feel like he, I feel like he's just so underrated. Um, especially in the Disney plus one, he's like, he's really over the top um in a lot of the songs and he's like the ultimate the ultimate hype man uh, and he's just so much fun and brings so much energy and just like shoots shoots like the beginning of the song off so well mm-hmm. uh and then as philip he's like both like really hilarious and weird mm-hmm, um and then it just incredibly touching and heartbreaking uh at mm-hmm. the end
1: mm-hmm. um but as a nine-year-old philip yeah <laughs> Deux, I know. we <laughs> <laughs> um, we also um Jasmine Cephas Jones plays Peggy and then she plays Yes. Mariah Reynolds. Mariah Reynolds.
0: I was talking with a friend um, it was actually michael who who is our guest on the macbeth episode um, and I think he was quoting Billy Joel, who was talking about how the contrast between a song with sad lyrics and uh, but that sounds happy um can do a lot, and the song where hamilton is being seduced slash you know <laughs> going his own way with Mariah Reynolds um is is such a jam that even though what's happening in the story is so painful to see, you just you can't help just Lord teach me how to say no to this. I- don't know how to say no to this you just start kind of swaying with it and it's like wait a minute what's going on right now no uh, <laughs> um and and she really is does does a really great job as as mariah Reynolds. and and peggy like i was paying attention more to peggy this time and peggy's really underrated she does a lot um <laughs> and peggy uh and peggy Jennifer, Peggy Eliza. Oh, Another thing I wanted to mention was I, I love one of my favorite qualities in any kind of art and an artist is restraint um, because I think restraint is really the key ingredient to really, really great things, at least the thing, really good things that I like. And I love the way that Hamilton uses profanity. Um, and it exercises a lot of restraint, at least, you know, in, in hip hop, there is a lot of profanity generally. Um, but in Hamilton, there are like key moments where there's an F word, um, or, or something else, but they really like hit well. Um, mm-hmm. and as much as the I, best
1: word. For it, not because. it. It really
0: is the best word. It's not just like you know, you can't think of anything better to say, so you just throw in throw in the word here or there or whatever, um, to try and make it more profound than it is. But like it really is in this part, like when Hercules Mullen comes out comes out and he's like, "I get the f back up again." It's like, it's a huge moment. Um, and then you know the part where Hamilton publishes his response to John Adams. He's like, "Sit down, John, you fat mother." And it's an actual beep in the play. It's just like beep. Um but they're used really well to the point where I actually don't like to listen to the censored version and I'm kind of mad about the Disney Plus version that they bleep it. Like, can you give me a version where it's unbleeped because it really like adds a lot and is a big moment. Um but I underst- I understand, you know, why you have to have a censored version, but whatever Disney. You can have Daredevil on <laughs> Disney Plus, but you can't unbleep Hamilton. That's pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah. Well, I, I really hope there's no eight year olds watching Daredevil. I hope so too, but I gotta tell you, I mean, there's eight year olds watching Daredevil and Deadpool. Like Yeah. Probably punishment. It I know that they shouldn't be, but yeah. They're, it's just so so good, but
1: dark. Um, we could probably continue through each of these songs. Andre, is there anything that you want to highlight that we haven't yet? Um, honestly, I feel like
0: there's not too much we can highlight that hasn't already been highlighted about
1: Hamilton. <laughs> That's true. That's probably was two I, hours ago <laughs> yeah. um, i
0: uh, I got one highlight, and then I have a kind of a question that might get us into shaping and towards the end um go for it okay one one last highlight about Hamilton that I really enjoy is that there are multiple lines that are refrains and that are used in different contexts to mean different things. Um, and it, it really, it makes it really rich and it makes, it makes it really Mm re-listenable. I think that's why I can just re-listen to it over and over and over again. And this time I tracked one of the phrases and it was, uh, Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Um, Which you first hear when the Schuyler sisters come on the stage. They're in Manhattan. History is happening in Manhattan. So look how lucky we are to be alive. Uh, it's Eliza's line. And then... Uh, you hear it again when Hamilton is dismissed from the front lines and he comes back and Eliza is pregnant. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she says to him is, look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now um, with his child, which is really touching and adds another emotional context mm-hmm. to the line. And then uh, uh, the third time you hear it is Hamilton um, explaining why he can't go upstate oh, <laughs> Um They're trying to get him to go and he's like he's the treasury secretary and he's like look around look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now um and they're trying to get him to take a break and then i think in the in the reconciliation song between eliza he says look around look around eliza Um, when he's talking about being uptown and and he's trying to reconcile with her um and that's just one example. And there's, there's many, mm-hmm. many other lines that you can track throughout the mu- the musical. Um, and it's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's that, that's why Hamilton, I think is just, there's so much you can find in it every time you listen to it. Mm. <laughs> I have kind of a fun question, maybe not so fun. I was thinking when we were when I was listening to it this time. I was thinking about whether or not we would have duelled
1: when we were oh. at Hamilton. Oh, okay. like <laughs> whether we would have duelled when we were ha- like each other or just in general.
0: Yeah, when we had a falling
1: out, you oh, no. and I, like so, if there was yeah. still dueling. I, I was thinking about this as well, something similar to it. When we were at Hamilton, I remember going to a a an event, the speaker in the chapel, where somebody was speaking, and I unfortunately have no idea if I ever took notes or where they would be, about dueling and in the eighteenth century and what it was mm-hmm. and why it existed. And I my mindset now is the same it was then. Um, probably having forgotten all the information I heard in between, I don't understand it. It, is, it sounds like the stupidest idea ever. I, I just... Mm. It infuriates me, the whole idea. I mean, it's a certain premise of this musical of Hamilton's life is just infuriating. Like What an idiotic way to... Get rid of more lives for no gain, and like it goes back centuries, right? Dueling used to be done with swords and lances, yeah. And like, there's a oh, sense yeah. that that it's been changed, like maybe sports now and things like that. But like I, I feel like knowing me now, I can't see myself ever having any desire to duel. Um. Even if it's the cool thing. I think I'd be like, Yeah, but that's such a stupid idea and you're gonna get shot. I do feel that if I were to duel, I would put my shoot the gun in the air, though. Throw away your shot. Because that's yeah. that seems to be like in line with my personality.
0: Yeah. <laughs> my my wife said, uh, dueling is what happens when women have no power. <laughs> which i'm not gonna argue with that's that's true it's it's (laughs) dueling is really dumb you know burr says it can we agree that dueling is dumb and immature Mm -hmm. sure but your man has to pay for his words burr and it's like on some level i get it because i have a lot of pride i don't like the fact that i'm very prideful but i, I work on it and i you know in a certain sense i can't help it but i can help how i react um and i can sort of understand like i read um the count of monte cristo and there's dueling in that and i got a sense of how as stupid as dueling is it might be harder for us to 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 fully understand because our uh, the currency of our society is not honor like insulting someone's honor is not as big of a deal now um i mean it's still like something you shouldn't do but it's it's not like like i i feel like your career could almost be ruined if if your honor was ruined your whole life could be changed um because of someone's honor. So I sort of try to understand it that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that I, (laughs) I still think it's dumb even back then, you know, Um, but I just don't understand how dueling
1: is an honorable thing. That's the, that's the the honor, shame piece. We do not live in an honor, shame culture. Um, We live in primarily in a place of guilt or innocence. Um, It's how we frame Mm -hmm. a, a framework for a lot of things. Um, but the response to being shamed and like thus fighting for your honor or somebody else's being to kill somebody else or sh- just shoot somebody, which if you shot somebody at that time period, like you were, you killed them because if, or they had to do an, a- get amputated because of just medicine and the lack thereof, um, and the damage of bullets, um, yeah, and I just, that that part, the, I I understand that less than the honor piece. Mm-hmm. I <laughs>
0: <laughs> one of my favorite scenes in War and Peace, and incidentally, in the musical that is based on War and Peace is, which I hope we will do someday we will do someday, um, is a duel and in war and peace, it, it kind of (laughs) really illustrates the absurdity of it, you know, through the, the characters experience of the duel. Um, because I think with a lot of things, and I hope this will bring us full circle, maybe, um, It's 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 really hard to imagine what it's actually like. Um, we have lots of video video games about war and killing and even doing sports. You know, um, you know, like when I think about cycling, sometimes when I was younger, I'd be like, "I'm never gonna get dropped. I'm just gonna go fast. I'm just gonna try harder." And when you get out on the road and you're going up a hill, you just get tired. You're human. You know, you're not you can't just you can't just will past everything. Um and I think it's 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 kind of, might be easy for men to imagine that they can go out and on dueling ground and uh just I don't know, <laughs> wound somebody or get wounded. And everything will be fine. Um, we're we're very good at self deception and, and and tricking ourselves in, into ignorance that way. Um, and that's what that's what th- that's the barrier that Hamilton breaks down to history. Like, because you read about history in in high school, and it all seems very uh very um controlled not not necessarily controlled but like it makes sense they have they have made sense of it they understand history and how it happened and all this kind of stuff but Hamilton like totally breaks that down and goes fully into the chaos of like living through history in the moment because it's easy enough to look back on history knowing what happened and say, Oh, he should have done that, or that, 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 or that. Mm -hmm. But it's totally different when you're there and you don't know what's going to happen and Hamilton really brings you into it Mm -hmm. um, and, and brings you into the, the, the full chaos and contradictions of our country as being a nation that propounds freedom and independence and yet enslaved hundreds of thousands of people. Um, And Alexander Hamilton himself, who did so many great things, um, created, we didn't even get into like, you know, what Hamilton did for the country and the banks and, the economy and manufacturing honest. like all the yeah all, all the stuff that he did um and yet he was he also wrote the reynolds pamphlet and did all of the things that led to the writing of the reynolds pamphlet i mean mm-hmm. it's 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 just it's really torrid um And I think that's 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 why I go back and watch it. That's why I keep coming back. is is just to be brought into it again and keep reinterpreting it in our current
1: day. It's tough, is uh, in the conversations we have about stories and storytellers that shape us. We're talking about broken people and broken lives, broken stories full of joy and pain, full of ups and downs, full of the complexity of life. And there's a way that stories allow us to enter into that complexity when all we want to do is escape it. And when we live in a world that is trying to otherize people and to describe them based off of simplistic notions or one singular identity or one singular act or action or event, um, the reality is that we're missing and that we are complex people and that the same person who came from a broken household. On an island where he was, you know, almost died multiple times and was given the chance to enter the United States and make a name for himself. And making a name for himself is the same person who had an affair, is the same person whose father in law, his statues have been taken down throughout East uh, Albany and uh, Eastern New York. Because he had slaves, um, the founder of our country, you know or the, the first president of our country, you know is was also an owner of slaves, and that's not to talk about all of the other aspects of sin that were clearly involved in their lives. and we get the opportunity. To enter into those stories, um, hopefully not to make value comments. Maybe sometimes we do, but I think the the real beauty of these conversations. So it brings me back to these conversations and these about stories and storytellers is the opportunity to wrestle, <laughs> to wrestle with stories that aren't my own ideas I haven't thought of history that is foreign to me, um, beautiful creations and spectacular disasters that leave me in awe, uh, and a conversation partner to spar with along the way.
0: <laughs> mm. The final episode of season two, I hope that you will indulge me in this cover of Dear Theodosia. I'm playing it as a parent, and I'm also dedicating it to my mom and sister, who choreographed and performed a mother-daughter's dance for my sister's graduation that was beautiful. Theodosia, what to say to you? You have my eyes. You have your mother's name. When you came into the world, you cried and broke my heart. I'm dedicating every day to you. Domestic life was never quite my style. When you smile, you knock me out. I fall apart, and I thought I was so smart. You will come of age with our young nation. You will bleed and fight for you. We'll make it right for you. And if we lay a strong enough foundation. We'll pass it on to you We'll give the world to you And you'll blow us all away Someday, someday And you'll blow us all away Someday, someday Philip, when you smile I am undone My son Look at my son Pride is not the word I'm looking for There is so much more inside me now Oh, Philip You outshine the morning sun My son When you smile I fall apart And I thought I was so smart I'll do whatever it takes I'll make a million mistakes I'll make the world safe and sound for you You will come of age in our strange nation. There's bleeding in the streets, and love can't find a scene. But if we teach you peace and reconciliation, we'll pass it on to you. (laughs) We'll give the world to you to blow us all away. Someday, someday, yeah, you'll blow us all away. Someday. I hope you enjoy this version of Dear Theodora that I could barely get through without crying.